Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Uh, without any further ado, I want to lead us into this last segment for us as a church family. Again, we've been in a generosity series and really asking God to grow and expand our hearts in generosity. I felt like God put this in my heart a number of months ago um, as, for us as a church family. And, and really why I believe this is, is because we don't know what the future holds. Does anybody know what the future holds? No, okay, because um, I was going to pick your brain for a second. Um, we don't know, but we know for a fact that God knows exactly what's going on in our world. He knows what's ahead for our families. And we want to be a church family that positions ourselves well, that whatever lies ahead, that we are a people that are generous, both with one another and with the community that surrounds us. One of the greatest hallmarks of being a follower of Jesus is our generosity, and so we want to grow, and we've been about the last five weeks learning about that. Pastor Robert Morris um, has been teaching through the series. Then we had Joe uh, Eisenbrandt come down from McCall and did a phenomenal job of helping us to grow in that. And then Pastor Larry Cochran was here last week talking with us about our hearts. And so I want to encourage you to lean into this last message, listen to what he's speaking to us, and at the end of our time together today, we'll gather together in groups and just talk about this space of generosity for us. So, uh, Nate, do we got it? All right, here we go. Turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 12. We're in the series, The Blessed Life, and uh, today's message is entitled, Am I Generous? Am I Generous? And let me tell you something that happened to me. Um, I went to Walmart, and I was standing in line. There was a guy standing in front of me, and he had his stuff on the conveyor belt there. We already had the little rod between my stuff and his stuff, the little bar thing, and he was looking to get some breath mints, and he was, look, I could tell he was wrestling with something, and I thought, what's, what's he wrestling with, you know, and then he took the breath mints, and he set them down on the conveyor belt, and he took one, another bar, and he put it between uh, his stuff, and the, the, I put the bar, and then, of course, my stuff was behind with another bar, but he was separating the, the breath mints from the stuff he already had there, and then he turned around, he just kind of turned around like this, and saw me and he just started crying. And I, I didn't know I had that effect on people, you know? I, I, I mean, he just starts crying. And then he said, Pastor Robert, I have to tell you, he said, I, I'm a pastor, and um, I've been listening to your Blessed Life series, and you shared about uh, if you're not faithful with little things, you know, uh, who will give you true riches. And he said, I had to buy some stuff for the church, but I needed some breath mints. And I was wrestling with you know, I need to pay for these breath mints separately. This is not a church expense. This is a personal expense. And even though it's a dollar, I need to be faithful. And, uh, and so, and then he said, and then I turned around and saw you standing there. <laughs> and he said, I was actually thinking right before I did this, what would Robert Morris do? <laughs> and then he saw me, you know, and I, I told him, I said, you ought to get a, a WWRMD bracelet. I'm joking, I'm joking. Let's keep it WWJD. But the point is, I said to him, I said, you know, it's amazing, yes, that I was standing here and you were thinking, what was I doing? But even if I were not here and didn't see this, God saw it. 
God sees these little things. And so I said, told him, I'm proud of you. And here's what I want to say to all of you. I'm proud of you because you're doing it. You know, if I were preaching on witnessing and we were seeing a lot of people, more people getting saved, I'd say to you, I'm proud of you because you're doing it. If, we're, if I was preaching on prayer and you were beginning to pray more, I'd say I'm proud of you. In the same way, uh, I know you're giving more. I know you're stepping out in faith, and sometimes, and it's real difficult for many of you. I want you to know I'm proud of you. As your pastor, I'm proud of you. As a matter of fact, I'll, I didn't even share this with other services, but I, it just came to my mind. Uh, January was the largest tithe that Gateway Church has ever received, the month of January. So I'm, I'm proud of you. I want you to know that. So... All right, so we're talking about am I generous? John chapter 12, look at verse 1. It says, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. And then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, watch verse 6 very carefully, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box, which was the offering box, and he used to take what was put in it. He actually took from the offering. Isn't that amazing? And that's why he made that. Okay, so when, when I read this, I thought of two questions. Why would Mary give such an extravagant gift, such a generous gift? Why would she do that? And I'll explain to you later how extravagant it was. And then the second question is, and why would it get Judas upset? There are two hearts displayed here. A heart of generosity and a heart of selfishness. And I want you to notice what revealed each heart giving. That's what revealed. So when I say, am I generous, I put it in the first person so that when you say it, you're asking yourself. And when I say it, I'm asking me. Because to be honest, sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not. I still battle with this. So let me tell you some things about generosity, right? Here three things. Number one, the enemy of generosity. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. Now, by the way, we're talking about generosity and selfishness. Let me, let me just say something. Generosity begins with a G. Selfishness begins with an S. All right? Listen. God is generous. Satan is selfish. Just so you can always remember. All right? God's generous. And we're, we're all born selfish. We are. But we're born again generous. That's the great news. We just have to renew our minds. We really want to be. If I said to you, you, you really want to, don't you? You say, yeah, I, I, I want to. I just don't see how I can do it or I'm strapped or whatever. And we want to help you do that. But we, I want to be generous. Uh, I said we're all born selfish. If you think about it, one of the first words that a child learns to pronunciate very well is the word mine. 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 And, and a child learns to say it at such a pitch that it will hurt a nerve that you have in your back. 
you'll be watching the game or something, and here's what you hear from another room. Mine, 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 mine. You ever heard that? And, and, and a, the parent has to get up and go through the house and find that sound. And you get to another room, and it's normally a younger child pulling something from an older child, right? And the younger child is saying, mine, 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 right? Okay, let me explain something to you. There is a place where every parent comes to when we don't care anymore about justice. We care about quiet. <laughs> we don't care whose toy it is. We just want it to be quiet. And so we end up saying something like this to the older child, give it to her. <laughs> and the older child says, but dad, it really is mine. Give it to her. She has things of mine too. Give it to her. <laughs> is that right? So. We, we've got this word mind. That's why I think, because God wants us to understand and grow out of this, listen to me, God actually uses that word mine when he refers to the tithe. He says, it's mine. Don't touch it. Now, this is an amazing story because when it talks about Judas, he makes this statement. Why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? You ever heard that statement before? Can I just remind you who originated that statement? Judas. Why wasn't that sold and given to the poor? We, we do this a lot because we, we see the extravagance or the perceived extravagance of someone else. By the way, let me give you a def definition of extravagance. The one who has more than you. That's extravagant. Now that neighborhood there, that's an extravagant neighborhood until you get a raise and move into that neighborhood. Now, that one's not extravagant, but now that one's extravagant. That's extravagance. See, here's what we do. We always want to point to someone else so we don't have to point to us. Uh, we were, one time, there was a pastor in town that was seeing the church and spending some time with me. And we were going to my home, and we passed a, a very large home. Not in my neighborhood, but a very, on the way to my neighborhood. We passed this big old house, uh, you know, with land and a pond and all this stuff. And uh, this guy said to me, look at that house. And I said, yeah, uh, that's actually one of our members. And uh, he's, a, he's a really generous person. And the guy, the pastor went like this, <laughs> like that. When I said he's a generous person, he said, <laughs> he said, he ought to sell that and give it to the poor. And I decided that I needed to minister to him. <laughs> And so I said to him, you don't care about the poor. And he said, what? Because remember, that Judas said that, and it said, this he said, not that he cared for the poor. I said, you don't care about the poor. He said, what? I said, you don't care about the poor, because if you cared about the poor, you'd sell your house and give it to the poor. And by the way, I said, the one who made that statement up was Judas, the one who betrayed our Lord. I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, I just want you to know sometimes what, as long as we can say someone else isn't doing what they should be doing and we don't even know what they're doing, then we don't have to look inside and see if we're generous or if we're selfish. Now, here's another thing that amazes me about this uh, story in the Bible. It says Judas had the money box or the offering box. Uh, Jesus was in traveling ministry. 
This was an offering box. People gave offerings. We know that from Scripture. People gave offerings to him. Okay. So what's shocking to me is who gave Judas the money box? Well, let me ask you this question. Who's the leader of this bunch? Okay, so do you think Jesus knew he was a thief when he gave him the money box? <laughs> I know he knew because two years before this, two years, Jesus said, did I not choose you 12 and one of you is a devil? He knew. So why would he do this? Listen, he didn't do it for Judas to fail. He did it to give him an opportunity to pass. See, God will test you, not tempt. James says God tempts no one. He, not tempt you. And he also provides a way, of tempt, uh, a way of escape every time you're tempted. But God will actually test you in your finances and give you an opportunity. Now, isn't it amazing, too, that God says, uh, that the Bible tells us he was a thief, and God says in Malachi, the people who don't tithe are stealing from me? Okay, he used to take what was, ta he, he took stuff, took money out of the money box, the offering box. Okay, some churches have boxes, some pass the plate, some have a little bag. It, it really doesn't matter what the method is of giving. But here's, let me, uh, the question for you. Is there anyone here or, or watching at another church or another campus, is there anyone, anyone that would take money out of the offering? There's none of us. None of us would do that, would we? Okay, let me ask you another question. Anyone, is there anyone that would keep money in their account that actually belongs in the offering? Wouldn't that be the same thing? Isn't that the same thing as taking out? None of us, when the plate came by, would take some money out. Now, I do have a friend that shortly after I got saved, when the plate came by, he uh, made change. I remember saying, what are you doing? Oh, I, did, I had to make change. I just, you know, so he doesn't do that anymore. He's a pastor now. <laughs> so, all right. So the enemy of generosity is selfishness. All right. Here's the number two, the extravagance of generosity. The extravagance of generosity. The reason I say extravagance is because God's a generous God and God gave an extravagant gift. Remember his son. It's pretty extravagant. And there are several extravagant gifts in the Bible. Lots of them. I could name several of them. Uh, David gave $21 billion. In today's economy, what David gave to the temple would be equivalent to $21 billion with a B. That's extravagant. Um, I'll tell you another extravagant gift a lot of people don't think is extravagant, but Jesus said it was extravagant. The widow gave two mites. See, it, it's not the amount it's the attitude behind the amount. This, uh, Mary gave 300 denarii. Denarii is the plural of denarius. The word denarius means a day's wage, a day's wage. I've had uh, students ask me, uh, how much is a day's wage? I said, well, what are you talking about, 10 AD or 30 AD? Because it'd be like the minimum wage, you understand? It changes. So 300 denarii, you would work about 300 days a year, so that was just common vernacular for a year's wage, a year's wage. So let me ask you, would a year's salary, whatever your salary is, 
for you to give that in one lump sum, would that be extravagant? Sure it would, for all of us, right? Okay, let me ask you something else. Would that be extravagant to pour on someone's feet? Because that's what she did. And Jesus said, she actually did this for the day of my burial. This is the only anointing, by the way, that Jesus received because it was too late when they put him in the tomb to anoint his body. So they actually came back with 100 pounds of spices on Sunday morning, you know, first day of the week, to, to uh, anoint his body because they couldn't anoint it before they put him in the tomb. Uh, so they come back that morning, and it says they came back early, but um, Jesus had already checked out. <laughs> so that's extravagant. So um, let, that's an extravagant gift, but could you give a gift to God that would impress him. I'm talking about an amount now. Uh, the one who owns everything. The one who, by the way, uh, paves his streets with gold. Not, not because he's trying to show off. Uh, he, it's just laying around. You know, you heard about the guy that snuck gold bars into heaven. Somehow he snuck them in. He had a suitcase and Peter said to him, well, what do you have in a suitcase? And he opened up real pridefully. He said, look, I got, I, I got some gold bars here. And Peter said, you brought asphalt? <laughs> so God paves his streets with gold. He has 12 foundations to the new Jerusalem, 12 foundations. And all of the foundations are made of precious stones. By the way, new Jerusalem is 1,380 miles long and 1,380 miles wide and 1,380 miles high. And again, it's not because he's trying to impress anyone. He just got a bunch of diamonds and rubies laying around. And his gates are made of pearl. And if they're that high, they could be 1,380 miles high. The gates, I don't know how high they are. So could you give something to God that would impress him. Absolutely. Did you know you could? Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 5 says, they first gave themselves to the Lord. Uh, scripture in the Old Testament says God rejoices over you. You know what that word means? It means he jumps up and twirls about. He jumps up and down and twirls around. See, it's not the amount. It's the attitude. It's that you give him your heart. And don't tell me that he has your heart if he doesn't have your money. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So actually, when God does get our heart, he gets our treasure. Um, there are three levels of giving, by the way. If you don't know this, and I've done lots of study in the area of giving, three levels of giving. And I saw this years and years ago, probably 20, 25 years ago. Uh, tithes offerings and extravagant offerings. And nearly every uh, gift you see in Scripture falls under the area of a tithe, an offering, or an extravagant offering. I remember when I saw that, I called Steve Doolin, one of our elders and a close friend of mine, and uh, I said to him, did you know there are three levels of giving in the Bible? And he said, yep. I said, you do not. <laughs> Made me mad because, you know, when a preacher finds something in the Bible... We don't think anybody else knows it. 
I, you know, I'm talking to a layman, you know, a guy that owns a company I said, at that time. And I said, hey, I said, you don't either. I said, what, what are the three levels in? He said, tithes, offerings, and painful offerings. <laughs> I said, well, it's close enough. Did you know, though, that most Christians never get to the first level of giving? You know how many Christians last year tithed 10% of their gross income to their local church, undesignated, by the way. By the way, the reason that it's undesignated, you can't say I want 5% here and 3% here and 2%. The reason you can't designate your tithe is because it doesn't belong to you. And people do want to designate money because they want to control. Can I say that again? Because I've seen it a lot. I've seen a lot of people try to buy me. If I give a big gift, will you do this? I just go and answer it, no. No. So you can't designate. So you know how many Christians actually give 10% of their gross income to their local church? It's between 5 and 7%. So only 93 to 95%, 93 to 95%, let me say it this way, of all believers never even get to the very first level of giving. Here's the great news, though. If you ever get to the first level, you'll get to the second and the third because the first level breaks the curse and opens the windows of heaven over you. <laughs> I told you about Steve a moment ago and the Lord, when he said painful offerings, one of the reasons he said that was because God asked him one time to give a very extravagant offering. I think God asked every person several times in their lives to give an extravagant offering, but it might be different for you, Okay. So I want to say that, clarify that as I, as I talk about this. And um, next week is Pastor Jimmy Evans, and then the next week we'll conclude the series, and I'll share with you our giving testimony uh, for of Debbie and me, how God began us on this journey. But so one time, Steve and Melody, Steve had paid all the bills and got down to the bottom of his um, checkbook. Now, you need to know that Steve owned a company for many years and now works with our business ministry and, and sold his company and uh, made millions of dollars and gave millions of dollars away. Matter of fact, for 15 years, he gave 50% of his income to the kingdom. So uh, God had blessed him tremendously financially. So one day, he's adding up, he pays his bills, and he looks at the amount that's left over in his checking account, and he thought, God, you have been so good to me. And then he just thought, I wonder how much cash I have. And he had no debt, no mortgage, no, no company debt, no debt at all. So he went to his savings account, and he took that number and added it to his checking balance. And then he went to his, an investment account that he had, and he added that to the other two, and then he went to his retirement account, and he added all four numbers, and he had a, a very, very large number. And uh, he went to bed. Next morning, he got up, and he was having his quiet time. The Lord said to him, how much money do you have? And he said, my first thought was, I knew I shouldn't have added that up. <laughs> And he'd heard my testimony about giving everything away, and he thought, I wonder if God's ever going to ask me to do that. And here was this time where he knew exactly how much he had. So the Lord said, how much money do you have? And he said, what do you mean, God? I mean, do you mean like in my wallet? You mean how much do I have in my wallet? The Lord said, how much money do you have? He said, what do you mean? You mean like in my checking account? What do you mean? The Lord said, how much money do you have? He was saying to him, you know what I mean. You know exactly how much you have. You added it up last night. So he said, well, Lord, I have this much money. And the Lord said to him, would you give it to me? Now, he said, my first thought was fear. That was my first thought. And that's what the enemy will do. He said, but my second thought was, 
the Lord asked me. He asked me. And he said, yes, yes, Lord, I would love to do this. So he and Melody gave everything away, everything they had, all the cash, everything. By the end of the next calendar business year, so longer than 12 months, it was the rest of that year and then another calendar business year. He's having his quiet time one day, and the Lord said to him, hey, go add up those four accounts. And he said, it's, it's okay. It's all right. I'm good. I, I trust you. It's good. And the Lord said to him, no, no, it's, it's all right. Just trust me. Go, go look at him. And he went and looked at all four accounts. Now, get this. In just a little over a year later, all four accounts had more than twice as much in every account. And God said, what took you 15 years to do? I did it in one year. I could have done it in one day, son. I'm just simply saying, I'm not asking you to give everything. I'm not asking anyone here to do that, anyone. I'm asking you, though, to give everything God tells you to. And let me just tell you, when God does give you the opportunity to give an extravagant gift, it'll be the greatest thing. You will look back on it for the rest of your life, thinking we gave this... It was such a joy for us to do that. So here's the the third point I want to share with you is the reward of generosity. The reward of generosity. Uh, Now, this same story that we read in John 12 is also in Matthew and in Mark. Let me read you one verse from Mark. Mark 14, verse 9 says, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Okay. Notice I said the reward of generosity. Um, She was rewarded. Where Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, this is going to be told. She she, she got a reward. But she didn't come to get a reward. She just came to give. I asked you, well, why why did Satan, I mean, why why did Judas... Why was he so upset about this? Well, we know it's because he was a thief. That's why. And stole from God. Why, though, did Mary give such a generous gift? Let me answer that question. Because two months before this, her brother Lazarus had been raised from the dead. See, generosity comes from gratitude. Grateful people are generous. Well, let me ask you something. If one of your family members was raised from the dead... Would you be grateful? (laughs) And do you think that might change the way you give to God? I think it changed. By the way, when I say one of your family members, let me just remind you, all of you who believe in Jesus have been raised from the dead. Because Ephesians says we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and he made us alive. We were buried with him and raised to walk a new life. But I want you to understand that she did not come to be rewarded but God rewarded her. God always rewards generosity. Now, let me me give you the definition of generosity, though. Generosity is when you give expecting nothing in return. Selfishness is when you give and think that God owes you something. That's selfishness. Generosity is when you give to not get anything back. But here's the amazing thing. God always rewards that. Uh, Hebrews 11 says, Verse 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This word rewarder is a, a Greek, comes from a Greek word that's only in the Bible one time. 
only in the New Testament, one time. And it's, it's a five-syllable Greek word, and nearly every syllable means, when you put them together and all the, from the root and all, means to pay what is due. But there's one syllable that changes it, and it means to reward with extravagance, to give more than what is due. It's like if uh, someone lost his wallet and you returned it, and instead of giving you a $50 reward, he gives you a $5,000 reward. He said, well, there's only, you know, $50 in the wallet. This is, this is too much, okay? He's not rewarding the amount that you returned. He's rewarding your honesty, the attitude of your heart. See, it's not the amount, it's the attitude of our heart that God rewards. And he always re rewards. You have to understand, uh, let me say a double negative grammatically. God cannot not reward you. He's going to reward you if you give with the right heart. Here's the reason why. Because it says God is a rewarder. He is. This is something he is. In other words, God can't lie to you because he is truth. He can't lie because he is truth. He is truth. He is a rewarder. Lots of times God has blessed us financially. But there's a difference between being blessed and being rewarded. He blesses us with finances, but Genesis 12, 12 tells us what his reward is. He said, I'll reward, your reward will be me. I'll reward you with myself. He rewards you with himself. In other words, it affects every area of your life. So I'm going to tell you something that happened, and then I'm going to give you the rest of the story that I've never told you. Okay? I shared one time this with you, a testimony, but I've never shared the rest of the story. Uh, there was a single mom in our church, and she was, uh, the Lord was dealing with her about tithing. And I shared the message about the $1,000, and this was a few years ago. I shared the message about $1,000, how much tithe, and that week she'd made $1,000, and it was the first time she'd made $1,000 in a week. And I'm sharing about $1,000, and the tithe is $100. And she's just getting more and more convicted that she needs to put God first in her life. So at the end of the service, she gets her checkbook out, she writes out a check, and watch, when she's about to put $100, the Lord said to her, add $20. And she said, Lord, this is going to be a struggle for me to do this, a tithe. And he said, well, yeah, but I want you to give an offering also. And she said, I sat there and struggled and struggled and struggled. Finally, I wrote the check for $120, put it in the offering box before I left. She's walking out to her car. Now, I need you to know this. There, was, there is a man in our church that for years and years and years has carried $100 bills in his wallet and gives them to people when God tells him. He sees this woman walking to, his, to her car, and the Lord says, go give that woman a $100 bill. So he reaches in his wallet, pulls it out, and right beside the $100 bill was a $20 bill, and the Lord said, give her the 22 And he said, um, Lord, I give $100 bills. You know, I've been doing this for years, and this is, and the Lord said, no, you obey. That's what you do. And he said, when you give her the other 20, she'll know why. Now, isn't that amazing? She writes a check for 120. There's a guy that gives hundreds, but he gives her 20. So I tell this story to the whole church just a few years ago. I tell, I tell all of you. I go home, and that night we'd invited the kids over for dinner. And it was just shortly after my daughter had come back to the Lord. My daughter lived a, a double life for a while, and I've shared that with you, and she shares it in, when she speaks. 
But it wasn't very long, and I was so grateful for my daughter coming back to the Lord. So all the kids come over, and my daughter says, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, yeah. And so we went in my office. She gets these tears in her eyes, and she says, story you told today about the man that gives the $100 away? I said, yeah. She said, that's you, isn't it? I said, yeah, sugar, that's me. And just so you know, by the way, I didn't lie to you guys. I just said there's a man in our church, and I'm, <laughs> I'm in the church. Okay. But I just didn't want to say it was me. I just wanted, to just, I wanted the emphasis to be on what God had done. And so I said, why? Why did you think that was me? She said, because the whole time we were growing up, when you started turn, telling that story, I was remembering all those times that you would get out of the car and you'd go talk to someone and you'd put something in their hand. She said, I had probably 10 or 15 memories come back to me. She said, you were giving $100 bills, weren't you? I said, yeah. And my daughter, who'd been away from the Lord, looked at me and said, Daddy, I want to be like you. I want to be like you one day. That's a reward. I just have felt the Lord drawing us into a place for our families, for us as parents and leaders. Nate, could you turn on little lights, please? Um, of how are we building legacy with our life? I don't know about you, and, you know, there, there's lots of things that we can invest in our life. There's lots of really cool things that we can do. And, you know, Pastor Robert's talking about the area of finances because finances just reveals our heart. But my prayer for our church family is that we would build legacy that outlives us. And some of that has to do with resource, but more what it has to do is what we model with our lives to the next generation, the people that surround us in this life. And, and I, would, I, I would just desire for you today, as you're thinking about your journey, as you're thinking about when, when your life is all done, when you're thinking about all, all of the things that we get to do in this life, what kind of legacy are we leaving with our life? And I, I've been a part of this church since I was a little boy. And I'm so grateful for those who went before us and created the legacy that we're living in right now. People that sacrificed tremendously for us to have a facility and just all the things that we have right now. We're, you're living out of somebody else's generosity. And as you think about you moving forward and the, the, the legacy that you live and leave with your life, I just, I want to invite you to dream a little bit bigger about what God might want to do through your life. And we can always, all of us can always look at our financial resource and just go, well, there's just not enough. And Robert said a, a few weeks ago, uh, there will never be enough because we always have thoughts and desires of more in our life. But the one thing that I know for sure is that the people that I love spending the most time around in my life, the people that inspire me in my faith, the people that are sitting next to you right now, some of you don't even know they're next to you, um, are the people that live with extreme generosity in their life. And I'm not just talking about financial resource. 
I'm talking about the way that they look and how they invest their life in the people and the things that are around them. And we have some of the most generous people that I've ever met in my life. Most of us are, are sitting in this room, this renovated space, because people that are sitting around you gave resources so that we could have the facility that we have to be able to provide atmospheres for worship and, and connecting with God and vacation Bible schools and our community to be able to come and meet here and Alcoholics Anonymous to hang out here. and All of the things that go on in this facility that are creating atmospheres and opportunity for ministry because somebody gave into those things. There's people that are experiencing the love of God in our community through the outreach that takes place, not just through River Valley, but through wonderful other churches in our community. And those things, those places, those platforms are spaces where somebody said, I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to give what He asked me to give. And as a church family, I, I long for us to be the most generous people that we can be in the things that God calls us to do. And I know many of you are, are processing through seasons of life, and you're, you're trying to learn how to, we're all trying to learn how to align our lives with God. What is it that you're asking me to do? And, and here's what I just want to encourage you as a, as, as a pastor in your life to do. Just listen to God and do what He says. And I know sometimes that sounds like, well, that's the, that's the easy Christian uh, way to say things. No, it's actually the only way to live your life. It's just to listen to Him and do what He says in your life. And when we do that as a church family, here's what I know. Here's what I know. God will bless that extraordinarily. We as a church family uh, are doing wonderfully financially because you guys are already generous. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. Can you imagine what it would be like if the body of Christ and those of us that are here at River Valley gave just in the ways that Jesus had already instructed and invited us to? I did a series months and months and months ago. If, if the church, if only 40% of the church, people that called themselves followers of Jesus, were generous with our resource and finance, did you know that we could solve world hunger? Did you know that we could bring clean water to every human being on the planet? If just 40% of the church, think about that. The resource for blessing our world is not outside of our grasp. It's right inside of what God's asking us to do in our hearts. So here's what I want to encourage us to do. And I'm just going to pray over us today because, I, again, I am so grateful to be a part of a generous church family. But how many of you know that God has so much more that He desires to do in and through our lives? And so as a church, we never want to settle ourselves in that spot. We just want to keep saying, God, what do you want to do in and through my life, our family, our local church family? We get to give, as a church family, and most of you know, we get to give 10% of our annual income out into missions and outreach into our local community. That's an extraordinary way for us to live as a church family. And so as we look at what comes ahead, we don't know what the days in the future hold, but we do know that, that God's going to give us unique opportunities to be a blessing to the people that are around and what I want to just invite us to do is just be a church that says, here we are, God. Whatever you want to do, however you want to do this through us, God, we just make ourselves available to you. Amen? And so I'm going to pray over us this morning, and then we're going to jump into groups. I'm going to give you just a very simple question to talk about just for a few minutes with the people that are around you, and, and then we'll, we'll finish out our time here today. So let me pray over us, and then we're going to jump into our time. Father, we thank you 
First of all, God, for the privilege of all the resource that you've given. Lord, our time, the talent, and treasure, Lord, that you've put into our hands, God, these are all a gift from you. Lord, we, we didn't give ourselves life. You gave it to us. Lord, the resource that we are blessed with in our, in our, in our bank accounts and, and all the things that you've given us, God, all of that, is, it comes from you. And so, Lord, today we just want to be a church family. And, Lord, I just make this declaration over my own life. Lord, I want to be a man that hears your voice and just does what you ask me to do, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us as we navigate through this space of generosity as a church family, Lord, to live right in the middle, God, of what you're doing in our community and world. Lord, that we would be the answer, Lord, to the need of the people that are around us, God, because we make ourselves available for your generosity to flow through. And Lord, we know that you own everything. And so, God, we just say, Lord, let River Valley be a place, Lord, where generosity flows out of. And Lord, where our community, and Lord, where the way, the way that we love each other, God, demonstrates your goodness in our lives. God, you have been good to us. Lord, I'm just so thankful, God, Lord, for all that you've done in us. And Lord, we pray as the days ahead of us, Lord, as we step into them, God, Lord, we pray that we would be a church family that leaves legacy. God, yes, with our resource, but no more with our hearts, God, of how we live our lives. Lord, let us be a people, Lord, that are marked with your favor, Lord, because we pour it out, God, to the people that are around us. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word and its preciousness to our lives. Lord, now may we not just be people that heard a good word this morning, God, but Lord, may we be those that go out and live out the truth of your word with our life, God. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.